Thank you. Well, I, I first want to start and just say, in case you didn't know because you've never stood up here, that I can see all of you. So let's pretend that we're just in a living room and we're just all sitting on couches and we're just having a conversation versus me here and you there because it'll just be a lot more comfortable. Is that cool if we just do that? So we're all just here together doing this thing today, okay? Um, well, I do want to wish you a happy Mother's Day. I am a mother. I have three beautiful children who are 14 is Maggie. She's going into ninth grade, deliver me. And Jack is 11 and Allie is nine. And they are so precious. Unless I really, really need them to be precious, like, you know, like Mother's Day, for instance. So this morning in the car with my three angel cherubs was a diatribe, if you will, on seating in the car and what day of the month and the week it is and the numerical because odds and evens and who sits where and no, Maggie, daddy wanted to have a conversation with me. That is why he asked me to sit here yesterday. So it doesn't matter that it wasn't actually my day. That doesn't mean that now today is your day because this was not my, so this is on the way to church, you know, as I'm just preparing in my heart. And then, you know, Allie, the nine-year-old pipes up from the back seat because there's some sort of sock issue occurring and Whose socks? And those are your, not your socks. They are my socks. No, those are mommy's socks. You can't wear mommy's socks because they're not your socks. And well, those aren't your socks. They don't even cover your heel. And, and to the point that Allie finally went, Maggie, this is my final answer. <laughs> and I just thought, ah, Mother's Day. So if, like me, your children did not greet you in angel costumes with a tray of your favorite breakfast and bouquets of flowers in bed saying, Mom, we got this. You do nothing today except just be. Then I feel you because that is not what happened to me either. You might be like, I would give anything to be back in the season of life where my kids were bickering in the car because you're going to miss it once it's gone. You might be like, I would give anything to have kids, and so you're lucky that I even came to a church on a Mother's Day because this is a painful day for me. So I just want you to know that wherever you are and in whatever season, I have prayed that this service will give you something from your Heavenly Father to take away with you when you go. So today we're going to talk about seasons of life, and this isn't just a thing for moms. All of us are in a season, whether we have taken the time to identify the season or realize that we're in a season or not. And so we're going to look at what Webster's Dictionary defines as a season, because I'm a word person, I like words. And so let's find out what the definition of a season is, okay? So the first definition from Webster is each of the four divisions of the year. Can everyone agree with that? And the divisions of the year are winter... There you go. They always come in the same order, right? We don't, although my husband told me I was out of town last week that it was 40 degrees here in May. So that completely throws the order thing out the window. But normally, they always come in order with certain weather, right? The second definition is a fixed time when a particular sport is played. Can I get an amen for sporting seasons? Football, baseball, 
I don't care anything about basketball, but a lot of people like that. Third, I thought this was interesting, a period of time when a female mammal is ready to mate. I think it's interesting that it's a female mammal. I'm just going to leave that there, and I'm not even going to, okay. But the, the fourth definition, and the one we're going to sit on today, is a proper or suitable time. That's what a season is. And we have the backup in Scripture for God being the author of seasons in Ecclesiastes chapter 3. And we're just going to read this. You've probably heard it, or you know the song but we're going to go over it again just for us today. It says, For everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to seek and a time to lose. A time to keep and a time to cast away. A time to tear and a time to sow. A time to keep silence and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Now, seasons aren't a new concept, and obviously God created four of the seasons that we've gone over. And in Georgia, we are fortunate enough to actually experience all four seasons. Did you know that there are other states that do not have four seasons? Right? Has anyone ever lived somewhere where it's just like, like Jeffrey and I, in a former life, were looking at a church job in a church in Arizona, The seventh circle of hell is how hot it was. I kid you not. And then apparently at some point it just gets cold. So there's not like the spring or the fall, which kind of lets us ramp into everything. It was just like sweat or freeze, okay? But in Georgia, we can get the concept of there being four seasons. But I don't know how many of you are farmers, any farmers, okay? Felt like that. Oh, what? Yes! Then you can go, that's true when I say it, okay? How many gardeners? Any gardeners? Wow. Okay. What, can, can you grow things? Like, I only kill. So if you give me something that was once alive, it will not be for very long. I mean, humans. I'm good at humans. The children are alive. But, but foliage, plants of any kind, they just, they will meet their untimely end. Do not give them to me. Um, so if you are a farmer or gardener type, you'll know these principles, but if you don't, I'm just going to let you know the point of seasons as ordained by God and as it works out in the order of the world, okay? So spring is beginning, new life, possibilities, potential, the time when seeds are planted. This is when you decide, okay, this is what I'm going to want to see shoot up out of the ground, so these are the seeds that I'm going to plant, right? Then in summer, Growth, labor, maturation, the time when planted seeds grow and mature. In autumn, harvest, we're reaping what we've sown, whether good or bad. The seeds ripen and they're gathered. And then in winter, we have closure, withdrawal, rest, and death. 
The ground lies dormant, but so much is happening beneath the surface. This was so interesting to me as I read through it because everywhere that you look about winter, anything in agriculture or farming says, beneath the surface that looks dead, thousands of microorganisms are doing their thing to prepare for what they know is coming in spring. Is that amazing? Like, that's a process put in place by God. So to us, it just looks dead, decaying, cracked, you know, whatever. But under the surface, so much is going on that we can't see. So I want you to know that there are four absolutes that we can take away from Ecclesiastes 3 and then several other scriptures in the Bible about the seasons of our lives. But first, I want you to figure out what season you're in. Are you in winter? Well, you're like, there ain't nothing going on. Are you in spring where you're like, oh, everything is, ah. I don't know who of us is in that season very long, right? Just everything is wonderful, right? Are you reaping what you've sown, either good or bad? Or are you like, okay, okay, everything is coming up and everything is what I've planted and I see things coming and I can see the fruit of all the work that I put in. You know, is it a great conversation with your teenager and you thought, I cannot believe we're having this conversation, right? Yeah? Remember, I can see you, so you can nod or I have no idea what you're talking about, right? So what season are you in? Now, here are the four absolutes over your season. Number one, God is completely, totally, and utterly sovereign over my season. The reason I use completely, totally, and utterly is because there really is no human way to encompass how sovereign God is with language. But he is completely sovereign. At no point in time is God like, oh, man, all right, let's figure out how to redeem this. Let me see if I can figure out a plan. Everything that happens, he's sovereign over. Number two, nothing touches me in any season that is not first sifted through his hand. Now, this is not going to be a theological thing we're going to get into on does God cause or does he allow and permissive and subjective and this, that, and the other thing. But I can tell you, and scripture supports, that the enemy of your soul, Satan the enemy, is on a leash firmly held in the hand of God. He is not allowed unfettered access to the children of God. He is on a leash. So anything that touches you in your life is filtered through the hand of a God who's sovereign over your life. This means, guys, nothing is wasted. The loss the betrayal, the pain, the sin, what someone else did to you, what you did to yourself, the mess you're in, the mess you're trying to get out of, nothing is wasted in the economy of God, as is supported by the third absolute. Everything in my season can and will be used for my good and his glory. That's what scripture promises. For the children of God who are called according to his purpose, he will work it all for good. Because he's sovereign. And then fourthly, God uses my seasons to sanctify me and make me more like Jesus. I, if you didn't know the whole purpose of your life, the purpose of your life is to become more like the image of God's son. 
and to accomplish his specific purpose for you in the world. And it is specific. Every person in here has a collective purpose, which is be conformed to the image of Christ, and then a specific purpose that he's mapped out for you and you and you and you in the world. We just heard his purpose for these gentlemen from Africa. I mean, was your mind blown by that? I just was like, ooh, and that's their purpose. And that purpose may seem to you like, oh, that is so spiritual. And they've been called into such a spiritual thing. They have, and so have you. And that is the filter over your season, those four absolutes. But here's an interesting misconception about seasons and, and about, you know, the whole farming world. And maybe I just wasn't listening in science, which is entirely possible. Science and math, I, that was not my thing. I was mu much more into, you know, English and languages. But an interesting misconception about seasons is that the seasons vary based on the Earth's distance from the sun. So if it's winter and we're cold, it's because we're further away from the sun. If it's summer and we're hot, it's because we're closer to the sun. Did you know that that is completely untrue? Am I the only one that didn't know that was Y'all, some of y'all did not know that. Don't act like you did. <laughs> you did not know. But I'm going to read this just so I won't get it wrong since I didn't know it initially. It's untrue that seasons vary in proportion to the earth's distance from the sun. The seasons vary because of the earth's natural tilt, which is how God placed it into orbit. Based on that tilt, the light from the sun hits the earth differently, but it's always the same distance from the sun. So the encouragement for you today, if you're in a winter season, you're not further away from Jesus in that season. He's exactly the same distance to you that he's always been. The tilt of your life in this season is what's determining how much of that warmth you feel. But he's not further away. Does that encourage you today? Have you ever been like, do you even remember? Are you seeing this and what's occurring, right? He is. And he's in the same place he's always been. He's not further away. Uh, so for every season in farming, as one person can attest, there is a specific activity you don't do a spring activity in winter and vice versa, right? So in your life, based on the season that you're in, there are specific activities that are going to determine what the rest of your seasons look like. If I eat the amount of Krispy Kreme donuts that I want to eat, I will not fit into my clothing. This is just, this is just a principle. I have tried it. It does not work, okay? In your life, there are things that you will reap based on what you sow. And you will always reap them. There's not a, oops, that, just, that crop didn't come up this year in sowing and reaping scripturally. You always reap what you sow. So it matters what you sow. So here's the reason that we need to know what season we're in and then how to view it. And it's two scriptures, one's in Ephesians 5. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore do not be foolish but understand what the will of the Lord is. And then in Psalm 90, 12, 
Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. So it matters that you know the season that you're in, and it matters how you use it because Scripture says, make the best possible use of the time. Why? Well, number one, because the days are evil. But number two, we just talked about the fact that you have a purpose to fulfill in the economy of God on earth. Otherwise, you would not have gotten up this morning. You're still here because there's more for you to do, not because there was space that needed to be taken up on earth. You're here because you matter and there's more for you to do. So there's two things you can do with your season once you know what it is. Savor or squander. First, let's talk about squandering. Does, does everybody know what squandering is? It's to waste something in a reckless or foolish manner or to allow an opportunity to pass or be lost. Has anybody ever squandered something? My son cannot figure out how to save money. If he gets a dollar bill, a $10 bill, a whatever bill, it is an onslaught of requests to go to Target because there is new Lego stuff that he can be buying with that money. If I, as his loving mother, try to explain to him that if he would just wait, then there would be more bills to go with it and he could get one of the bigger Lego sets that costs an insanely exorbitant amount of money, by the way then he could get that. He, can't, he cannot figure it out. He's a squanderer in that sense, right? He just can't do it. But I think we all have something that we tend to squander if we're not careful. Ways that you can squander your season, discontentment. Well, I don't like it, and I don't frankly want to be in it anymore, so there's that. And no, I'm not going to be content. I don't care if Paul says to or not. Let's move on, Right? We can be anxious or fearful. I struggle with anxiety. That can be my thing. We can be apathetic. Blah, 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 seasons, blah, 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 don't care. Right? We can be completely unaware. Wait, I'm in a season? But this matters? There might be a sovereign plan at work in this season of my life. We can just be completely distracted. I tend to do this if I don't like my season. I just keep myself busy with other things so I don't have to focus on it, right? That's probably just me. Comparison. Well, I could be super happy and content if I were in her season. She has no problems and her family is perfect, right? Y'all. Comparison, the thief of joy. But if I just, but they, well, what about, Lord, please make me like, right? Song of Solomon says to catch the foxes, the little foxes that spoil the vineyard. All of us have little foxes in our lives. Most of us are not tempted to rob a bank and therefore impact the season that we're in, right? Now, should I rob a bank? I'm just trying to weigh how that's going to impact me, right? <laughs> It's little foxes, not big, giant, scary foxes. And all of us have specific foxes that the enemy has tailor-made for what he already knows our struggles are. And the way he knows is because he watches us and he also hears what we say, right? So the foxes that can spoil the season that you're in, the anxiety, the discontent, the comparison, whatever it might be, jealousy, or just flat out not accepting it, can spoil that vineyard of what God wants to do. But instead of squandering our season, we can savor Jesus in our season. 
I'm never going to tell you to savor a season of grief and a season of mourning or pain or betrayal or abandonment or hurt in your life. Only crazy people are like, bring on the grief, right? But you can savor Jesus in that season. And when you do, the sting of that season can be lessened as your focus is constantly drawn to, if you're sovereign and everything that touches me is sifted through your hand, then I can trust that you're going to bring this season around for my good and for your glory because you have more for me to do on the earth. So I'm just going to savor you in it. I don't have to like it, but I can savor you in it. Some ways that you can do that, be awake. Leave today going, I need to think about my season. And I can look back in my life and realize that was that season and that was that. And just be awake and be on the lookout for what God is doing in your life because he's doing stuff every day all the time. It's not just whether or not the light turned green when you need it to that we're like, thank you, Jesus, right? He's at work all the time in your life and the lives of those around you. Secondly, be expectant that he's up to something good. Jeffrey and I planned to take our kids to Disney World for one year as a surprise. And so we're just like, you know, like elves. Well, we lied, just completely lied to the children. And we said, hey, guys, we're having to pick you up from school. Daddy has a rehearsal really far away. You're going to need to go. You're going to need to sit in the rehearsal and do your homework. And they were just like, right? This is the worst day of our lives. You know, oh, the drama. Their life is so hard, right? So halfway to Orlando, you know, because daddy's rehearsal was really far away, they didn't, why are we four hours into where daddy's rehearsal is? <laughs> it was fine. We were really banking on them not having any concept of time. We said, hey, guys, and we just pulled out the box of magic bands, and they were like, what? I mean, screaming. It was like, you know, it was absurd. Then, what do you think they did the next four hours? Are we there yet? Is it time? Okay, I think I want to do this. I'm space Mountain. I've never done Space Mountain, but I'm going to do Space Mountain. This time. You think I'm tall enough? Am I tall enough? I'm the shortest girl in the eighth grade. Am I going to be tall enough for Space Mountain? I don't know. We'll stand you on blocks. I don't know. It's fine. The whole time was expectation of what was coming. But ahead of that, they were convinced we were trying to make their lives miserable. God is not trying to make your life miserable. He has good in mind for you. When you change your expectation to, are you trying to kill me? To, you've promised to bring this around for my good and your glory, so I'm going to trust you in that. It changes the face of your season. Expectation. Lastly, you can be humble and settled. Humble just says, oh, you're God. I'm not. Because I think we like to be God of our lives, right? And we're kind of offended when God doesn't get on our page. But he's God, and we're not. And sometimes it's just as simple as saying, you're God, I'm not, to reorient your thinking. And then lastly, you can be settled. It's impossible to figure out what God has for you in the season you're in if you're only consumed with getting to the next one. And the thought of settling into a season that you don't love is not fun. But when you're settling into a season that you don't love with savoring Jesus as your mentality, 
it changes the season, I promise you, no matter how short or long that season may turn out to be. So my challenge to you today is identify your season. Determine that God is after your good and not your harm in your season. And then figure out how you can savor Jesus in that season rather than squandering it with the little foxes that are spoiling the vineyard. Because there's some fruit to be born in a season or you wouldn't be in it because God is sovereign. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you, thank you, thank you that you're sovereign. Life would be so much more trepidatious if we didn't have the knowledge that you are sovereignly in control. God, I pray over every man and woman in this room, every teenager, every child. I pray that you will speak life over them. Pray that you'll speak comfort, direction, whatever they need for the season that you're in, that they're in, I pray that you would provide that for them. Thank you that we can trust you and that you're for our good. I pray that you will receive the utmost glory from the lives of every person in this room as they savor you in the season they're in. In Jesus' name, amen.